Yo, yo, what is up, my people? B Things back with y'all for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast. Um, yeah, of course, you know, my sincere apologies for not being able to record Friday, but I really appreciate all your guys' sincere condolences um, to me. You know, losing my papa on Friday was tough. Um, dealing with some shit this past weekend, but we pushed through, man. We make it happen. And um, I'm looking forward to providing you guys a quality episode with some quality content and some quality stats. I'm going to tell you all just a bit. Today is going to be a stats day um, with some numbers that are fucking bonkers <clears throat> and really beginning to heat up. I mean, just really beginning to fucking take off for this offense. Um and yeah, we're, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. So, let's see. Off top, of course, you know, the dominant Bengals win yesterday. <clears throat> it felt like a 30-point win. Like, I don't know about you guys, but to me, it felt like pure domination. I mean, we really eased up. That's what's been impressive with this team, with just how dominant of a start we've got off to in these few, in a couple of games this year so far. But... One thing that you do want to see more of is that consistency in the second half. It's a mental thing. It is surely a mental thing of like not just playing quality football because what's been nice with these dominant wins we've had this year versus the Jets and the uh, Falcons was we didn't play bad in the second half necessarily in each of those games. We played quality football. We just played conservative football, you know, and I think of teams like the Patriots that are not as talented as we are, but they are notorious for keeping the foot on the gas and fucking up teams all 60 minutes. I think that's definitely something I'd like to see more of because there were times yesterday that it was actually nice for me and hype because... Yes, it was annoying to allow those touchdowns and that production within that like nine minutes, ten minutes stint for the Falcons in the entire game. Beyond that, they didn't do a goddamn thing because I was like, great, that's going to keep Joe Burrow on the fucking football field. So if we were up 35 to seven midway through third, you're probably going to see Brandon Allen. But I was hyped because I was like, yo, let's go. Joe's going to fucking cook him continuously, just like he did. But you're not seeing that correlate to points. Um, obviously, you know, we, we know, you know, we were down to the six Falcons six to end the game. It's whatever. That's fine. But I'd, I'd like to see that more consistent. I'd like to see when you're putting up 28 points in the first half, finish with 50, dude. It ain't that hard. Like, it's not that difficult. It's not like all that is, is 10 fucking points. The next two quarters, you know what I'm saying? Like, get that touchdown, get a field goal each fucking time. It ain't that hard. <laughs> okay, it is hard. That's definitely the wrong phrase to uh, word to use there. It is not insurmountable with how productive you were in that previous time frame. So, <clears throat> that's just something I'd like to see. You know, maybe that's something that could happen in the Browns game. You got some advantages, um, you have some disadvantages, but then again, 
You went against the uh, top-ranked, according to DVOA, run offense in the league. Absolutely destroyed them. I mean, J2 Fele has been dominant. Um, and I guess that's one stat I'll drop really quick. As I typically say, appreciate for everybody that actively keeps up with my stories. I posted earlier today, and 44 total defensive snaps for J2 Fele at the nose tackle position. In the gut, in the trenches of the trenches of the defense, he's gotten 12 tackles. He has a 26.3 success rate on all snaps for a defensive lineman. The second highest, let me see this just to verify the second highest. <clears throat> Sorry. Allow me to correct myself here. Out of all defensive tackles, this is according to Gridiron Grading on Twitter. Out of all defensive tackles with 30 snaps on run defense this year, J. Tufele leads the NFL with a 26.7 run stop percentage. The next best, DJ Reader at a fucking 18.2. 18.2. Listen, J. Tufele was a really talented prospect coming out of the 2021 draft. He fell a little bit. He was the first overall. He was the first pick of day three to the Jags. <clears throat> Obviously misused there to the maximum degree, Urban Meyer, period. That's all we got to say. I've mentioned it before. But you're talking about a guy that has raw talent and skill. You get 12 tackles in 44 fucking snaps at the nose tackle position against a steady run offense to where you can easily get sucked, you know, uh, drifted away in a play. Like, cause you're at least doubled every play at the nose tackle position. That's why it's a lot harder to see those gaudy numbers. You don't see those gaudy numbers from the nose tackle position because you are in the trenches of the trenches. You have the most hands on you almost every single play because you're typically the biggest guy on defense. And you're producing at that level? I said it on my story. I think we may have found a gem in J. Tufele. I mean, this is what makes teams great, guys. This is what makes football teams great. It's not just about how sexy your 11 guys on each side of the ball are. <clears throat> we got sexy fucking big names, stars on our top 11 on defense and offense. We know that. And, of course, that is ultimately what leads you to the top tier. But what leads you to greatness and ultimate success as a Super Bowl team is fucking depth. It is depth. It is when guys, those sexy 11, one of those sexy 11, God forbid, two, three, four, five, six of them go down. What do you have to back them up? J. Tufele is our third-string nose tackle heading into the season. With quality production, obviously, elite of the elite from DJ Reader on top, super sexy. Then you got a sexy, serviceable guy in J uh, or Josh Tupau goes down. Um, uh, I forget his injury, maybe a hamstring for a couple weeks. Then, all right, next man up, and he's producing like this. That's what creates great teams. That's exactly what a great team is. And sadly, you got oppositions indulging and just crying that, oh, you know, we had fucking DoorDash workers and nobody working in our secondary for the Falcons. I'm sorry your team sucks and you got no quality depth. It's not my fucking fault. 
Why did the 2017 Eagles win the Super Bowl? Because Nick Foles was absolutely the most greatest quarterback to ever step on the field? No. Now, I will say he did have some legendary fucking runs, which is our He did. He did. Some were incredible. I'm not dismissing that. But what really made that team great? Yes, you had some sexy players on top on the 11 on 11. But when it came down to it, you had depth out the ass. That Eagles team had some of the best depth this league has ever fucking seen on that defensive line to constantly wreck havoc every single play. It caused Tom Brady to scramble for his life, unlike he's never, ever wanted to. And it ultimately led them to winning a Super Bowl. The same applies everywhere. When guys go down, what is your answer? If you just want to be a problem identifier and bitch about the fact that you lost a player, thus excusing yourself for being bad, that's a loser mentality. That's a loser mentality. We don't do that around here. I don't do that around here. My closest friends don't do that. We don't indulge on that. We focus on solutions. How can we get better? And Jay Tufele is the epitome of what this coaching staff did to get better. We are not going to put ourselves in a situation, God forbid, our top-end elite guys go down, which it did. What is our answer? Boom. Waiver claim for Jay Tufele. Now he's producing like this. That's production. So to get in some more numbers that are sexy, um, <clears throat> Joe's putting up elite numbers, guys. Just like his elite self. I mean, MVP type shit. Like I predicted at the beginning of the season, Joe's going to be MVP. Jamar Chase is going to win Offensive Player of the Year, which is ironic. You really don't have like an offensive player that's going absolutely nuclear this year. Like, let me think about it real quick. Well, I'm thinking about it. You guys can think about it too. Like, what player is that's not a quarterback that's going absolutely insane? That's not like Jamar Chase. I don't think I can think of one. I really don't. I don't think I can think of a fucking player. I mean, <clears throat> Saquon Barkley's probably in that race. He does have 900 and 908 total yards of offense in seven games. That's incredible. Um, surely not going to underestimate that. He's comeback player of the year candidate. He is a candidate for offensive player of the year. There's some guys. But there's not a clear-cut runaway dude like a Cooper Cup last year. You're just talking about, I mean, production, 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 production. That was always that clear-cut tier above of everybody else. This year, it's a quality race right now with five guys and Jabbar chases in that, and I think he's going to pull away because he's him. I mean, we all know that. Nobody fucking questions that. I mean, that... That stop, that route that he turned into a, a fucking, um, he ended up stopping because he saw where the DB was on that second touchdown right before the half yesterday. Um, ah, I mean, my favorite routes I love to see Joe throw is the receiver getting leverage on in between the hash. They push the they push the DB to the numbers, and then Joe leverages that space from the numbers to the out of bounds line. For the receiver to work. And Jamar just works that so well for his size. You typically don't see receivers be able to bully corners like that. In a space like that at his size. T, yes. Like you can bully him all day. He makes it look like child's play. 
when he leverages that numbers to sideline space, I mean, it's kid shit. But Jamar makes it look like kid shit. That's not that normal for a dude that's 5'11 and three quarters. It's not normal. Especially when you're able to stop on a dime like you are and then go in two fucking steps and look like you're jogging to the end zone. It's ironic. As soon as I saw him catch a pass, I was like, look at this touchdown. I told my family, I was like, look at this fucking touchdown. And I'm, I mean, he's incredible. So I guess getting it into his uh, numbers, <clears throat> um, he's been incredible the last couple weeks, has 266 yards of offense in the last couple weeks with four touchdowns. Um, he is on pace for 114 receptions, 1,469 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Incredible shit. And I think he's going to go over that. He's going to go over it because his offense is heating up right now. And I will talk about on how they're heating up, what has changed from the past and the struggles earlier this season to now. Um, another guy, of course, TB, having a career day. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say this real quick. I can almost guarantee, not exaggerating when I say this, 90 Six ninety-seven percent chance the Bengals win every game if they get Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst eight to ten receptions in the first half with productive plays, meaningful receptions. Now I'm not saying meaningful and being exaggerative with like, oh, they got to be thirty-yard receptions or sixty-yard touchdowns, but I'm talking consistent production: nine yards, eleven yards a catch. Eight to ten times in the first half, you're winning the football game. Why? When a weapon three, a skill player three, and a skill player four on an offense, the third and fourth most important player on the offense is running the show, and the opposing defenses know what your number one and two are to that offense, that is fucking, like, it's it's debilitating. It's obliterating for a defense to know, holy shit, we are getting destroyed right now, and they haven't even looked at Joe or Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase or T. Higgins yet. The first drive of the game, of course, it was like three, four plays, so I get that, but what did you do? Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Boyd, touchdown. They didn't even look at Joe Burrow. Fuck. They didn't even look at Jamar Chase or T. Higgins yet. So that Falcons defense coming over there, I'm not saying that like teams don't value Tyler Boyd and if he's going off, it's a problem. I'm saying that, holy shit, their baller, star-studded receiver three is destroying us and they haven't even looked at their completely non-human receiver one and receiver two. That is what is so like dominating with this offense. You get those two going each fucking game, you are asking for high-end production because you are going to force these defenses to respect those players. And if they are the respecting those players while you work to establish the run, what do you leave open in as little focus on as there possibly can be, which is still high, by the way, is towards your receiver one and receiver two. And what happens when that happens, when you put as little attention as possible on our receiver one and receiver two? Joe Burrow will literally put up 500 yards on your fucking head. Literally put up half a band, half a K on your fucking head. You saw it yesterday. It's incredible. 
TB goes for a career day. Eight receptions, 155 yards, and a touchdown. Absolutely incredible plays. That one-handed catch, the sideline catch, he was everywhere. He was all over the field. He was catching passes on the left sideline, on the right side, in the middle, down the seam. He was everywhere. You could not ask for you could not have asked for better production from Tyler Boyd in the type of production. We were able to get through progressions more. Not only was Tyler Boyd wide open on that uh, 60-yard seam touchdown, but T. Higgins was wide open as well. Joe could have picked whoever he wanted to, and he happened to pick TB. So, <clears throat> just a dominant day, man. Just a dominant fucking day against lackluster competition. That's what you do. You destroy teams for not being as good as you. You punish them. Because you're not as good as us, we're going to fuck you up. Period. That's what we fucking did. <clears throat> TT um, also had a great day yesterday. Low-key great day. Um, damn, bro. That fucking play was a touchdown. That was a touchdown on the last drive of the game. Man, we could have got to our first 40-burger of the season. And we could have got him as a tutty. That probably... Was that the first time? Wait a sec, T, Jamar. Yeah, that would have been the first time, uh, maybe I'm wrong, the first time in their careers being together that they all would have scored a touchdown in the same game. Maybe it was one other, I can't think of it right now. If so, um, you know, please let me know or some shit. But uh, I'm thinking of last year the Ravens' dominant performance. TB had one or two touchdowns. T also had two touchdowns. Jamar had none, but he had 125 receiving. Um. So nonetheless, good production from T. Um, I mean, oh man, these fucking in routes for him are just so good, man. This The offense, we were doing whatever the fuck we wanted yesterday. As you would have dreamt of going against a lackluster team. With lackluster talent in the secondary and losing the legit talent that they had left in the secondary early in the game. It's what you do. Um, I think I already mentioned, yeah, I, I I may have touched on it a bit. Um, I mean, Jamar's production was really fucking impressive yesterday. Eight receptions for 130 and two tutties. I don't know about you. Like, it felt like that felt pretty sneaky. Those numbers felt pretty sneaky to me. I was like, damn, like he had eight, he had 11 targets yesterday. I didn't know that. But you're talking 11 targets with eight receptions. There were three drops yesterday. One from drop, uh, one from, Jamar, uh, one from T, and uh, maybe two from T, maybe one from Joe. So you take out those drops, Joe Burrow had five incompletions. He had four touchdowns and five incompletions. He had 100 yards per every incompletion. That is not normal. That is not elite. That is superhuman. That is... You have to read that stat sheet five times to make sure it's real production. That's baller shit. Joe is on pace for 5,096 yards, 36 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. I think those interceptions are going to be lower, and I think the touchdowns are going to be higher. Same with the fucking yards. Because we got some advantageous situations for us. Listen, we have a Steelers defense that is good. The Steelers defense is good when we face them in three weeks because that's going to be our hardest, 
our hardest competition in our next three games because our games are Browns, Panthers, Steelers after the bye. Steelers are the best defense. They obviously got, you know, as much as they could have possibly asked for from us in the first game, and everything they could have gave was just enough to beat us in an embarrassing fucking loss to that shitty-ass, fucking booty-ass team, booty-butt-naked team, according to T. Um, then you got the Panthers, who got some pieces, and pff, fuck, I mean, I, I this is what's great, as I mentioned from weeks one and two, and I'm going to continue to reinforce it for every single one of y'all so it can help us. We ain't sleeping on nobody. Because we fucked around in the first couple weeks. We did get stupid. I'm not saying the Cowboys are a terrible team. The Jets have a quality defense. Terrible quarterback play. But that's a quality team. The Steelers have a quality defense. Surprisingly. With some lackluster fucking talent. With a mid-ass secondary that's being put. The, the, Steelers, the Steelers secondary is like the Falcons run game. You have lackluster talent that's just producing well because they're in a good scheme, period. Hey, kudos to coaching staff. Credit to the coaching staff. And also some credit to the players. I'm not going to be delusional and lopsided and act like the players are just outright horrible because if they were, they wouldn't be fucking playing and they wouldn't be producing like they have. The Steelers let up 17 points to the Dolphins last night. Dropped four fucking picks. If y'all watched that goddamn game, that was crazy. I mean, four legit drops from the Steelers' defense for picks. I mean, they could have won that game. Then Kenny pick Kenny three picks fucking does that shit, throwing three picks to lose a game. Um, but bringing this back to to um, you know the landscape of our schedule here and what we can do, the Browns' defense has been extremely lackluster, kind of opposite of the Steelers. Um, Underperforming. This is a talented Browns defense that has just been really bad. Like, really bad. Secondary's been mid. Uh, Denzel Ward's having a career worse year by far. Um, DB's been struggling, letting up a lot of yards. Safeties, safeties have been suspect. Uh, defensive interior is fucking terrible, and they just lost their key defensive interior lineman. They have, the Cleveland Browns have the worst interior, defensive interior in football. Even worse than the Saints. And we beat the fuck out of the Saints from the middle of their defense. Up front. That's why we were able to produce well in the run game. You can see that. You can see us producing really well against the Browns in the run game. Because their linebackers are lackluster. They're injured now. So they had some sexy names and sexy guys on top that are out now. And you have a horrible interior. And you have quality edge rush play. So what does that mean? The edge rushers are going to force us inside. They're going to force Joe up the gut. And Joe produces really well even when he has elite edge rushers on his fucking hips. You know, from his back end and his front end when he has the ability to step up. That's the the advantageous situation for Joe heading into this Browns game. Not to touch too much on this Browns game because it's kind of going over Falcons right now. But, like, when that's happened historically for Joe, when you have a really weak defensive interior, Joe's really been able to manipulate these edge players well and produce well. And you have a secondary that's letting up hella yards. 
And we may be getting DJ Reader back. Actually, no, we're not. Sorry. Didn't want to jump the gun on shit. We are not getting DJ Reader back for the Monday night game. Um, he will probably be coming back for the Steelers game, though. As I mentioned previously. So, Logan Wilson may play this week. Uh, I'm sorry. I keep jumping ahead to the Browns game. I don't want to touch on that too much right now. Just got to go over... Um, you know, the amazing shit we saw yesterday in our by far best performance of the year. Another thing I have to touch on, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, dude. It does hurt my feelings, you know, with how I saw uh, the game transpire with Eli Apple and CTB. Um, y'all know where I stand on those two. You know, I love CTB. I'm really excited for him, but I love Eli. Listen, Eli's had a rough couple weeks. He did. Like, he's had... He's had some rough plays lately. Um, he got burned a couple times in the Ravens game on bad throws, thank God, so they didn't count. But if they would have been caught, uh, it would have been pretty fucking ugly. Saints, you're getting worked on some lackluster competition. Um, and then he had a really, really good game yesterday outside of that blown coverage. Listen, this happened last year against the Browns with Donovan Peoples-Jones. It is on Eli, but it's not solely on Eli, okay? That's the reality. The coverage was, it was a cover two concept where Von Bell and Eli were completely thrown off guard. You know what? Credit to the Falcons. They took advantage of the scheme that they saw, but not just the scheme. They took advantage of the situation. If I'm not mistaken, there was... Um, um, I'm going to guess and say 50 seconds. Like it was not much time, maybe under two minutes in the, in the second half, the Falcons were not getting anything going. They were down 21. So it sounds obvious that yes, they go for, you know, a big play on in the passing game, but Marcus Mariota had 20 yards passing on, um, uh, what was it? Four attempts, four Heading into that situ heading into that play. So you're talking nothing. Nothing for the Falcons pass game. Nothing. So Eli, he got booked. He got cooked. No doubt about it. I'm just providing context for the reality that they were both ill prepared. Completely ill prepared. He got cooked, so did Vaughn. But it was not solely like a man on man play to where Eli just gets absolutely obliterated. He wasn't prepared. He was way too soft. Vaughn and him were playing way too soft. They got caught lacking from a dude that caught his first fucking pass of the season for a 75-yard tutty from Demir Bird. Kudos to them. That was their biggest fucking player of the year. But beyond that, Eli played a really good game. I'm just surprised we saw as much CTB as we did. But he's a second-round pick that we traded up for, man. The dude's got fucking elite skills. More elite skills than Eli, period. We know exactly what Eli is, and that's probably what Lou and Zach ran with. Hey, we know what Eli is. Eli, we love you, but we have things clicking right now, and we have the ability to inject in another elite playmaker on this defense. And sadly, you're not that. Like, do you make plays? Yes. Shit. We all know that. I'm the champ of fucking praising and highlighting those plays. But a spade is a spade, bro. Eli Apple is not the talent of CTB, period. We all know that. We all know that. 
We know the whole story. We know all the gist. I've provided so much insight and analysis on the step-by-step process of how things have transpired from the Eli Apple and CTB competition. From training camp, preseason, to now. And now, it is heating up faster than everybody thought except Lou Anaruma and Zach Taylor. Even CT fucking B, bro. CTB was like, I did not expect to play that much. I did not expect to get out there on the first fucking series. He said it himself. All of us were. A crazy part was like, I didn't even notice him on the field till my brother-in-law was like, yo, who's 29? I'm like, you fucking serious? I was like, are you sure 29? He's like, yeah. Look, I'm like, holy shit. He looked a bit smaller out there than I thought, too. CTB, like, it was kind of weird. I was like, damn. But I'll tell you this. It felt like a proud dad moment for us to watch fucking CTB, Dax Hill, and Zach Carter out there. I don't know if they got in on the same play, because unfortunately, Dax only got two reps again. But CTB had 27, and Zach Carter had like 34, um, or 45, maybe. Like some pretty high shit. Um, man, you like that. Zach Carter has one of his best games of the year. CTB played well. He played well. I wouldn't say that's what you would expect because you can't expect that from a rookie coming off core muscle surgery at the cornerback position in the NFL, period. Like, ever. But, talented player against, like, bad receivers. Because he wasn't... He was not going up against a prominent talent in Drake London. He could probably work Drake London, too. But, you know what I'm saying. Like... You're playing pretty bum-ass dudes. Alamade, you know, Alamade, Zacchaeus. Okay, like that dude's mid, whatever. Like, you weren't going up against legit dudes, but you're playing fine. And if you're playing fine, you're playing good. So, it's going to be interesting to keep up with the CTB and Eli um, competition. We're going to see. Uh, there was a question asked today on if CTB's got you know the um, the edge on Eli moving forward, and Zach Taylor says he would not say that. Like he said, I wouldn't say that. So um, Eli is not going to be giving up that position easy. He's not, especially this week, because guess what? He's got a real possibility to produce highly again, like he has. Heading into week seven. Beyond the 75-yard touchdown, which was the first touchdown he's allowed all year, by the way. Eli Apple's first touchdown he's allowed all year. He's allowed 203 yards. I already told y'all. Oh, maybe I didn't tell y'all because Friday episode, I didn't have one. I posted uh, late last week. Fucking my homie made comparisons on JC Jackson to Eli Apple. You want to talk about production that will fucking blow your head off. J.C. Jackson played four football games and allowed 330 yards and three touchdowns. Eli Apple in the first six games allowed 203 yards for zero touchdowns with one of the lowest completion percentages in the league. Yes, we know Jesse has been supporting Eli. That's how our coverages are. Why not? Like, we know Eli is not a dude that you can put on an island. We're not fucking stupid. We're also not completely babying him. He's produced. But you traded up for a premier talent at the cornerback position just six months ago. We are just all surprised it's been this fast. That's what's hurt me a bit because I love Eli so much. But I will say this. 
whoever wins the position, I'm happy. Because guess what? That means if CTB wins the role, that means that he has to be playing better than Eli. And if he's playing better than Eli, that is damn good fucking quarterback production. Eli, there's a reason he signed for $4 million when he came here. He's not a legit fucking, a legit, that's not a legit starting cornerback contract. It's not. That is a cornerback three deal. We'll see. That could easily what he can become. That's easily what he can become in this defense. And um, he will still be featured whether he, even if he loses the job. So, yeah, um, you definitely hope to, uh, you know, see that competition uh, be a healthy one um, and really bring out the best in each player. I hope to see Eli, you know, continue to have the best production he can and CTB as well. We'll see how it transpires heading into, you know, Monday Night Football against the Browns. Um, <clears throat> so the last thing I'll touch on, guys, is... Oh, well, I guess one thing I'll gloss on really quick before I go on my last um, topic here because we're already getting pretty long in this episode. Um, this defense has been who they've been. Now, I think I read the stats wrong. Or I heard them wrong. And I apologize for anybody if I did like put it out in the Instagram or Twitter Twitterverse that um sorry, I just got a text that threw me off. And on Instagram or Twitter that may have thrown some people off. The Bengals are the third team in NFL history since nineteen fifty to not allow a second half touchdown in the first seven games. I thought they were the only one. I thought that stat was for the first six games. Or sorry, any six-game stretch. Just happened to be the first seven for the Bengals. Um, but nonetheless, who fucking cares the exact you know specifics? They have a chance to do that again with the back of a quarterback and Jacoby Brisket. Like, take care of business. The Bengals allowed 107 rushing yards against the number one rushing attack in the NFL. We, we knew what our rushing defense was when we had our starters in. But like I preached again and again, it's not just about having your starters. It's about what do you have for your answers for when your starters go down. That was our answer. J2 Fele was such a dominant force in the run game yesterday. And he was that in the second half after Josh Tupau went down. There will not be another game this year that if J2 Fele is healthy, he is not playing significant, meaningful snaps for this team here on out. You can't. He's been too dominant. He's been too good. Because of him yesterday, largely because of him, he was getting pressure consistently and wrecking havoc on plays, causing them to have their lowest average per rush this season. If I'm not mistaken, the Falcons averaged 5.4 yards per carry all season. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to give you number one rushing DVOA. It's going to give you the best run game in the the freaking league. They held him to 3.7. 3.7. So it's great shit, man. You run the ball 28, 29 times for 107 yards, and you have 114 yards passing. One of them was a was on a fucking oh 124, uh 75 yard touchdown. You realize if this defense would have held up and had, let's say they would have let up, I don't know, less than 10 yards in that drive, you're allowing 65 yards passing and 107 rushing. You're allowing 170 fucking yards of 
Like, your defense allows 170 yards in a game. Like, that's historically, that's great. That is elite shit. And you had 550. Talk about dominance, motherfucker. Fuck those Falcons, bro. So many delusional fucking fans. Like, it was crazy, the shit talking. Uh, I was getting from a lot of these Falcons fans this week. I'm like, you realize you're a bottom five roster going against the second best one, right? Like, you know that, right? Like, you talking pretty crazy about a team that's overperformed with arguably the worst quarterback in football, with nobodies as running backs, with nobodies as high productive players beyond Kyle Pitts, which is sadly your least productive player. Your most elite specimen on that entire fucking football team is one of the least involved players. It was kind of weird. And I'm glad they got shut the fuck up and fucked on. This offense has begun to be absolutely dominant. As we thought, guys. Like, I hope y'all saw the image. Unfortunately, for most of you guys that listen, appreciate y'all for listening. You knew where my vision was. And I think that you saw that too heading into the year. I was not spitting fucking smoke when I say this can be the best offense this league has ever fucking seen. this offense can be the best fucking offense this league has ever fucking seen. It can. I never meant it for fluff. I never meant it to just be hype. I'm being realistic. This is realistic. This team has the ability, this offense, to be the best this league has ever seen. That is what we saw yesterday. You took care of business and you were dominant. Why has it gotten so much better? Me? You guys know. A little bit too harshly, I realized um, I was on Zach Taylor. Ultimately, it does fall on Zach Taylor for how lackluster our offense was the first five weeks of the season. It is on him, ultimately. It was not all on him, though. I should have refrained myself a bit. I should have done more insight and research and, quite frankly, gained more knowledge on just the situations at hand to really gain an accurate analysis on what I believed was the problem. It was not 100% on Zach. All because most of it, technically you could say yes on the coach, it was also just how big of a deal it was not establishing that run game. We've established it now. Why? We've ditched a lot of the wide zone runs. The wide zone runs, which is requiring our linemen to pull gradually as a group, we have consistently not been able to do that. We have almost completely completely eliminated that the past two weeks we have produced well running in between the tackles we have produced best running in between the tackles because we have highly productive interior offensive line play we have a top top seven interior offensive line group top seven and that's incredible and it makes i know it makes all y'all just as much as me happy as fuck knowing that we have a rookie in there and producing like that That's kind of obvious. You have a really good... um, Jonah and Lael are really good tackles. They've just struggled this year. Like, we know the pedigree of these players is really good. Lael was dealing with, you know, had the stack of injuries, you know. I don't think the back was a major... It hasn't been a major problem lately. Um, But it has been a thing, as, you know, I belabor the point of. But that ankle was legit yesterday, too. Uh, Ted Karras kind of put him in a disadvantaged situation on a play. Uh, I think Ted Karras passed off a guy too early to LaL, caused him to get in a turbine. 
um, to kind of spin himself around as he's trying to get one edge player. Then he's trying to get the free runner. Then he lets the fucking edge player up who gets a sack on a simulated blitz or a, a, a linebacker. I'd have to look at the play again. Nonetheless, Lael was put in a bind, didn't catch up accordingly. Ted Karras certainly didn't help. Um, and it caused him to roll up his ankle. That affected the wide zone even more when you tried to put him back out there. But you had Hakeem Adeniji come in as well. That played well at tackle. As you'd hope. He's a third-year guy that has experience, valuable experience, at interior play, which they found him most suitable at tackle. That's what he came out as, a fucking tackle. Out of Kansas, you put him back in the position he's most familiar with, and you play quality against lackluster talent. That's at minimum what you want to see. Beat guys you're better than, period. We didn't really know with Hakeem Adeniji. Is he better than these mid guys? Because he kind of looked mid himself. He didn't yesterday. But you're getting that going in the run game. You're getting the run game established. It was a bit more of a lackluster day yesterday. Um, and I think that is something to be notable of. Like, to, to notice, I don't want to dismiss that. We did average 3.7 per, um, but man, we had chunk runs. We had chunk runs. We had some that were lackluster as well. Like I said, largely due because you have a really dinged up right tackle. It happens. So run game was still better than it was. So you get the run game established overall in this offense now. You're ditching a lot of the wide zone stuff. You're putting the offensive line in more advantageous situations. That is the epitome of what is successful now and why we were not successful earlier. Zach is now prioritizing keeping our players in advantageous situations. The key word in that sentence was keeping our players in advantageous situations. It's like, I don't like to keep bringing this up because I know it's a painful subject for us, but like the Super Bowl, we kept thinking that, oh, because we our identity is this, we just have 100% pure certainty that our reality will become this. Thus, oh, we are a team that is more talented than you. Yes, that's the case. That is the case week in and week out on this offense. So we are going to get our way and do X, Y, Z. No, that does not mean it's directly correlated to that. That was the epitome of our pitfall in week one to week five. So Zach course corrected what I've always given Zach praise for, what I've been very impressed that he's done. As I questioned heading into week six, can he adjust? Can he adjust? He has been good at this. He has to. Yes, it's awesome to see. Zach has adjusted. You ditch a lot of the shit that hasn't worked. The wide zone runs, everybody's bitching about the pitches. Bitching about pitches, that's right. That is the shit that did not work. It did not work yesterday that well either. We ran them a couple times and they didn't work. But we've ditched them. Joe has had... 15 snaps under center the past two games, and nine of those were on the last drive when we were running up the gut and the game was completely done and it didn't matter. So you're talking in six total snaps in the last two games. 
subtracting two actually from the Saints game because one was a QB kneel and was was one was an intentional QB sneak. So four meaningful snaps in the last two games were under center. That's what you want to see. Why? You want to keep Joe Burrow on shotgun so you can leverage him. Key term, keeping him in an advantageous situation of allowing him to scan the defense. We know Joe Burrow's a computer. We know he is. We know his IQ is off the fucking charts. So do you want to keep him under, like right above the ass of the center to where he can't see the defense as well when they're trying to uh, fucking roam in a different coverages because they have to confuse him? Or do you want to keep him standing up five yards behind the center, five yards further away so he can scope further of the defense to see them trying to change up a coverage? You want the latter. Kudos to Zach for keeping him in an advantageous situation. You're spreading these receivers out more. No, you're not going to the most unique formations. We have some. We have had some nice formations I've loved, but we are spreading out our receivers' route trees. We are spreading them out across the field more. Yes, that is largely due because you trust your O line more. You're getting more time for plays to develop. That is a big thing. And it was also never a matter of make the routes that much more fucking creative. Just like the same thing with the formations. It wasn't about creativity. It was about layers. Now you have layers. Why? Because you're always in shotgun. The defense doesn't know if you're going to run what you've been productive in going up the gut. Or if you're going to spread that bitch out wide and hug that bitch deep. Or go over the middle. Or go middle. Or short. Or, f- or deep. That is layers. You're a chameleon. You look the same. The shit looks the same, but it can be different. So, that is what has really helped us take a step forward. I mean, I'll just clap it up right now. It's like, you give credit to where credit is due. Zach kept making mistakes after mistakes, trying to fit a square peg into a circular hole to just run the dream offense. Oh, we have offensive lines that are we have an offensive lineman that's more talented than your guy, and this guy, and this guy, and that guy, and that guy. Which that's largely true. And we have receivers that are out of this world. And we have a running back that's really, really fucking good. And we have a quarterback that's absolutely elite and the best of the best. So we're just gonna do absolutely whatever we want. It's not that fucking simple, because you have defenses that are really good too. He adapted. Now we got this bitch rolling. We will be staying in shotgun. We will be ditching the wide zone run game to where we don't have to have our O-linemen in space because they have struggled to do it. Keep them together. Keep them bunched together and bully dudes off the fucking football and get that 5.5 per. 5.5 per carry. Keep Joe in that 10 yards adjusted yards per attempt range. Elite shit. Not just yards per attempt, but adjusted yards per attempt. Adjusted yards per attempt really gives... um, Credit to the quarterback for making a high-quality play beyond just the yardage of pass. Keep that high. You keep that high by keeping the defense on their heels. How do you keep them on their heels? You make shit look unpredictable. Unpredictable by staying in fucking shotgun all the time. There you have it. That's been the answer. That's the identity of our offense now. We are an offense... I'm certainly not going to act like, you know, oh, I, you know, said this all along and they're doing exactly what I said, thus they're good now because I'm no 
schematic expert, and I don't talk much about it because I'm not. I'm not a scheme expert. I'm not going to go through all this shit. I know some things, though. And the concepts I, I caught on to, which was be a chameleon. Be the same species, but different fucking parts every time you look. Have layers. Layers. Depth. Layers. That's what creates manipulation and control. Exactly what we did. We manipulated the defenses and we had control. Because we were layer filled. That's who we are. Oh yeah. And we're more talented than any other fucking team you've seen all year. There you have it. Alright guys, this was a long one today. Appreciate y'all for listening. I said appreciate y'all for the condolences and the patience as well with me not having my pregame show um, and recording this one a bit later tonight. Fucking zappy time, pretty crazy. Mac Jones got benched. I think that's a big, big deal. Big deal for Mac Jones too and like his mental. But I'm going to go back to watching that game. Appreciate y'all. And uh, I will get back to you on the next episode on Wednesday. Peace.